You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech fan number 144, bad deliveries, Kit Kat, Game of Thrones, and video games in your web browser. Check it out. And like I said, it's tech fan number 144. Uh, I am Tim Robertson, and joining me from his bed with the laptop laying on top of him is a sickly David Cohen. Hello. <laughs> Not quite that bad. <laughs> Not quite that bad. But you are no. running a fever. I've got a bit of a fever, yeah. I've, uh, it's been a rough couple of weeks, what with the kid being in hospital and running around, and I've, I've pick, obviously picked something up from somewhere. Cause I, you know, you, you may have that feeling when you just feel like something's run you over yep. and you ache all over. That's, that's kind of where I am. So. Yeah. That's not a fun feeling. It's not, but you know what? We've got a podcast to do, and I'm here to do it. I'm putting you in for uh, accommodation and a raise. <laughs> Yeah, the rays would be welcome. <laughs> I <laughs> I had to put the uh, the dogs in the kitchen while I'm recording this because they got they both got these rawhide bones that as long as my leg. It was funny they couldn't even run through the house with it when I first gave it to them, yeah. as they are wont to do, and because mm-hmm. uh, they kept running into everything with it, it was too big. Yeah, it was funny. They figured out pretty quickly that if I if they hold it by the end and drag it, then they can move it. But I couldn't have them in the living room, which is, you know, right off where I'm recording the podcast, uh, because all I can hear is crunch, 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 crunch. So, but I have, uh, I took an old door and I cut it in half and that's, that goes between the, the dining room and the kitchen yeah, and a little latch to keep it closed. And they're, I, I gotta tell you, man, they're probably the, the best well-behaved dogs I've ever had. Well, yeah, I mean. They're there every week when we do this, and yet you never hear barking or uh, fooling around or anything like that. They're, they are very good. Yeah, they, uh, and half the time when I'm doing the podcast, they're literally laying by my feet. And yeah. These are not, like I said, these are not small dogs. These are pretty big dogs, so if they bark, you're going to hear them. Yeah. But they only bark if they sense something is going on. If, they, if someone's coming up to the door, um, some suspicious activity in the front yard, something like that. That's the sort of thing you want dog for. That's exactly why I wanted to get dogs, and I wanted to get bigger dogs, because as you know, I spend a lot of my time in Chicago, um, and my wife is here with the kids, and I kind of wanted some kind of a protection, and we're not we're not gun people. No. So dogs no. are a good choice. <laughs> dog, dogs also can sense people coming, whereas guns can't. That's, yeah. Um, the weird thing is, though, and I don't know it's, if it's, I, I don't know why they're both like this. We can't take them for walks at all. What? They, they just don't want to go? They, or? Oh, you put a, you put a leash on them and they shut right down. Really? Now the boy, uh, Noah, N-O-A, uh, uh-huh. his name was already Noah when we got him. She put the H at the end. I took out the H and so it's like Noah, like, um, yeah. um, the weather. Yeah. Um, North, I don't know what it stands for anymore. Anyways, NOA. 
uh, I could put a leash on him and he'll go about two houses down in either direction. And then that's it. Uh, she, however, Bella will not go outside the front door at all. And now growing up, I had dogs that, uh, if you left the front door open and I've got friends like this too, if you leave the front door open, the dogs will run out and then you got to chase after them. Yeah. I could leave my door out completely open with a stake sitting out on the porch and they will not go get it unless I let them. They will stand at the, at the threshold and not go out there. That's uh, that is interesting because we had a Jack Russell Terrier when when I was growing up, and and he he loved to walk. As soon as you could pick, you went anywhere near his lead, um, he would start jumping up and down. You <laughs> it's know, time, it's time, it's time. You know, like time. those really small dogs that kind of jump about yes, four feet in the end. That's I what do. you would do. Uh, and yeah, and we actually had to get a, a kind of a choker for his um, for his lead originally. Originally, he he would choke himself on the lead because he was always trying to pull ahead so much. Yep. So we had to get a, a kind of a thing that went over the front of his nose to uh, to hold him back because he was always pulling on the lead, and we didn't want to choke him, you know. Right. Yeah. But uh, but he yeah he he would walk for hours. Well, these he, dogs will not. I was watching pretty heavily right before we got these dogs. The uh, Dog Whisperer show. Mm-hmm. And I learned quite a bit, actually. I mean, I, I had dogs growing up my whole life, but I haven't had a dog in quite a while. And I learned a lot from that show. And one of the things that I learned was when you first get a dog, don't let it just run into your house. Um, Caesar Milan, the guy who hosts the show, he's an expert with dogs, would caution people from doing that. He would say, you invite them into your house, but you go in first and then let them come in. And that yeah. establishes this is your house, not their house, and that you're bringing them into your domain. So it's you're always the pack leader because that's how dogs yeah. think. And I did that with these two dogs. They spent, Julie and I went and got these dogs while Brooke, our, our youngest daughter, was at school. Cole was, you know, three. Yeah. We went and got these dogs from this farm. They were kind of outdoor dogs, but they would go into the house, but they spent most of their time outside. No fences, no leashes, no anything. So I thought, oh boy, this is going to be a problem. Uh, Mm -hmm. We got to our house. We let them play in the backyard, but they spent the first four hours in that backyard before I let them come into the house. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I don't know, but they are the best. And here's the other aspect of this. I've never spanked these dogs. I never hit them. Mm-hmm. I've, ne- I've never had to. I just raise yeah. my voice and they cower. They're like, oh, crap. <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> I'll just do yeah. a, hey, st- hey, what are you doing? And that's it. Yeah. That's all I have to do. And they're the best behaved dogs. Go figure. If only the kids were like that. Oh, my God. That'd be awesome. <laughs> it's pretty much just the opposite with the kids. But anyways, enough uh, dog speak uh, on tech fan. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Other than I, I had to go put them in the kitchen before we started recording because that was some loud chomping so how was your christmas my christmas uh it was good it was uh pretty snowy here it still is we've had some terrible weather Mm, Uh, yeah over a hundred thousand people still in this area don't have power Uh, i've heard that that figure is better now but it's still not great Uh, a friend of mine on facebook just moved back to the area uh, from living in Kentucky for a couple of years, but he grew up here. He lived most of his life here, so snow's not a big deal. Bought yeah. a really nice house and lost power uh, within a month of moving back, and of course Christmas time. So he went and bought a brand new generator. 
uh-huh. and had to have someone come out and hook it up for him. And within hours of getting the generator up and running, his power was restored. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, okay, that's fine. But at least next time, he's yeah, he's covered. ready. I'm not. I yeah. have no generator. Um, I, it's something that I've always wanted to buy, but I know you have to wire them into the house correctly, and I've I've just never done it. And the only thing I really want a generator for is our refrigerator, because the only time we lose power, it seems, is uh, is summertime when it's really hot. Right. And I want the refrigerator to continue to run. You know, because it always happens right after you go grocery shopping, David. <laughs> yeah. Always. You think somebody would have built a some something, I don't know, some, a solar-powered refrigerator that could sustain itself? You run a lead out the out the house to the roof or I don't know. Well, it, yeah, the problem with solar power is it just doesn't generate a lot of energy. Uh, and refrigeration needs a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, but, but the thing is, most people don't realize that refrigerator will, if you don't open it, um, you know, it'll, it'll stay cold for probably about six, seven hours before the temperatures start to rise. It's pretty well insulated. Yep. You know? So anyways, let's get to tech here, David. Um, Speaking of holidays, let me uh, first say, what'd you get for holidays this year? Well, I mean, pretty much everything I got, I bought myself. Um, <laughs> so you were surprised. <laughs> that was the way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got my the the things for me were were upgrading to my iPad Air mm-hmm. um, from from my uh, my first gen mini, uh, and uh, and then I also replaced that. You know, I told you about that Windows tablet I had, yes. the Dell. So while I was in Hong Kong, I spotted. Um, in a second-hand store, there a Samsung Slate, yeah, which are basically is the same, pretty much the same spec as the Microsoft Surface Pro. It was actually the one they handed out at W at the, their uh, build conference oh. <laughs> a couple of years ago when they uh, yep. when they first announced Windows 8. So, um, and it was it it looked pretty much brand new. I mean, it was missing a couple of the accessories, but it was completely unmarked. And this was going for oh, it was. It was dirt money. It was about two hundred, the equivalent about two hundred pounds, something like that. It was very, very cheap. So I thought, well, I'll get that and and replace my Dell one with that because that's that's much more like a laptop, whereas the Dell is like a netbook. So those are the two uh, principal things that I've got, and I'm, I've got to say, I'm really loving the iPad Air. Yeah, it really is great. I uh, I really didn't get too much tech around the house. The kids got a, a video game. Uh, they got a couple, but the one that they've been playing. That I've even had a go with is uh, Lego Marvel superheroes. Uh, you know, uh-huh. it's the, where you're the Lego characters and you break stuff and you build stuff. And they've had quite a number of these based on other properties over the years, and they're always very popular. I still like the Star Wars the best, but um, you know, my kids love the the Marvel superheroes. They love the DC superheroes too. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It, they're the Hulk and they're Spider-Man and they're Captain America and they're having a great time with it. Is, it, is that on the Wii or is that on the... Uh... No, we got it for the PS3, but it, right. I don't think they have it for the Wii. I think they do have it for the Wii U. They have yeah. it for the PS4, the Xbox One, and the Xbox 360. And uh, we got the one for the PS3 simply because that's the only video game console that's in the living room. All the rest are here in the office where I'm at. Uh, because I'll be honest with you, there just seems to be more kid-friendly games for the PS3 than there are for the Xbox 360. And uh, the kids have always liked the Lego games, and I had, oh, I don't know, one of the Lego games for the PS3. So I've always bought 
the PS3 versions of the Lego games because that's the one the kids used more, and it's in the living room. So that's the only reason we got that one. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that, but uh, I mean, I mean, my perception is the way the Xbox has always been marketed is more of a grown-up console, whereas the PS3 is has kind of always, has always caught, catered a little bit more, not as much as Nintendo, but has always catered a little bit more to the, uh, the, the you know, the younger in the market. Yep, absolutely, I agree with that. Oh, I did get uh, Super Mario 3D World for the Nintendo Wii U. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, it goes without saying it, I mean, it's, it's a 3D Mario game, um, and it's fantastic. Uh, but the kids really seem to like the Marvel Superhero Lego game, and I played a level of it last night. My PS3, I can hear the fans kick on after about 10, 15 minutes of play. It's getting hot, so yeah. what I need to do is I need to unplug it. I've got, and I've talked about it on the show, that little uh, electric blower that I could plug in. It's kind of like yeah. a can of air, but it blows twice as hard, and mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't have that stink. I've got this, uh, I don't know where it is now. I've got this can of air that when I use it, I can taste it. That, Does that make sense? Good. No, when I when I use it in the air, when I'm blowing something off, I can. I, I, I it's this weird metallic-y chemical smell that I can taste oh. in the back of my tongue, and I've decided I'm not going to use that brand or that one at at all anymore. I have to throw it away still, but that's not good. I don't think. No. Um, no. So I, I use this uh, the one that I plug in. And what I'm going to do is unplug the PS3, uh, take it outside. It's obviously snowy and nasty outside. but um, And just hold it there and blow all the dust out of it. I think it's just probably caked in dust, as mm-hmm. a lot of electronics tend to do. Plus, you know, we have dogs and dander and, yeah. you know. But on the plus side, it's still working, whereas the Xbox 360, when it got would like that, died. would red ring and you'd have to buy a new, get, yeah. get a new one. Yeah, went through three of those. So uh, that's our holidays, people. <laughs> We're not yeah. going to do uh, uh, looking back on 2013, oh, looking you know forward what? to 2014. You know what? I, I'm really tired of those already. They, they They start straight after Christmas. And I, I maybe it's because I'm getting older and more, more cranky nowadays, but, I, I, you know, you kind of look at those and you think, well... Do I need something telling me what's just happened over the last year? Right. Now, the <laughs> no. flip side of that is uh, the MyMac podcast uh, is hitting 10 years next. Uh, this 2014 um, will be the 10-year anniversary of that show. And, of course, I started it in 2004. So, uh, Guy Searle and I have been talking about, and we talked about it here as well. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about doing kind of some specials. And the first special is going to basically cover the first two years, two and a half years or so of that show. I've already put together that special episode and sent it to Guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'll do it again for the second show. And then he'll do the last two shows, which cover the last five years, because more than half of those are his. Um, Yeah. And and Gazmaz. So that was kind of fun putting those together. And... uh, that's a celebration I don't mind kind of looking back, but that's looking at a decade of podcasting rather than, hey, here's what happened, you know, yeah. four months ago. Yeah, in January. <laughs> Nostalgic for yesterday. It's, nah, you know, that, I, that doesn't do it for me either. No, no. So I did, talking about Christmas, I did find a, a couple of uh, articles dealing with this, but the one that I liked the most was at Engadget 
Um, many people didn't get their Christmas presents on time this year, David. According to a spokesman, FedEx handled roughly 275 million packages between Thanksgiving and December 22nd, which is about a month. While the U.S. Postal Service said it saw a 19% increase in volume over last year, UPS declined to say exactly how much its expectations were exceeded. While these companies insist that the vast majority of the packages were delivered by the promised December 24th deadline, a small portion did not make it in time to be placed under the Christmas tree. Um, Both the delivery companies and retailers are working to repair the damage, and this is the important part, but the writing may well be on the wall for 2014. Really, they're surprised that everybody is pushing their products on Amazon now and other online retailers. Um, Even here in, in small Battle Creek, Michigan, the longest running jewelry store went out of business. Well, mm. but not really. He did 75% of his business online. And he's that store's been around since the 20s. Yeah. <laughs> so why is anybody surprised that more packages are being delivered? I could have told you that, what, five years ago? Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I saw these reports as well. And you have to wonder whether uh, certainly... <laughs> I'm always a little bit careful about stories as they're reported around about this time of the year because the media likes to put the Christmas spin on it. You know, oh, somebody was disappointed for Christmas and, you know, didn't make it for Christmas and oh, people didn't have power for Christmas and all that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, that doesn't give you the full context of the story. So, you know, were the people who were disappointed with the packages, did they order them late? Was there a late rush? You know, well, I mean, even we'll if know there that, are, if, well, if the delivery companies working with places like Amazon are guaranteeing next day delivery or two day delivery and you don't make it. I mean, you just had this problem yourself, David. That's I did. an issue. And I, I think I, that we need a lot more meeting the customer's expectations in, in these delivery companies. and But I think I think the problem is when you say these delivery companies working with Amazon, I don't think they really are working with Amazon. I, I, think, I think they're working for themselves, and Amazon is a big customer of theirs, but I, I don't think they're really, truly well integrated. Um, and, you know, the example that I had was, was, was a very good example of that, where the, uh, the company failed to deliver on a Saturday, and then tried to deliver the following Wednesday um, because as far as they were concerned that was good enough and they didn't have any awareness of what Amazon had promised to me and funnily enough when I when I came back from Hong Kong I found that package sat on my desk in the office <laughs> did you? yeah and it actually said try to deliver Saturday nobody in <laughs> actually written on the box yeah but here's the thing so I, David it, yeah. if these delivery companies aren't up to snuff and they want to keep their business with somebody like Amazon, and let's be honest, I bet FedEx and UPS, I bet Amazon deliveries for them account for 20% of their business. They probably do, but where's where's Amazon going to go if it doesn't want to use either of those two companies? It doesn't have anywhere to go. Yeah, but you, this, can, this, you, can, you can get these companies to play off each other, though. You can, Well, I'm sure Amazon will be trying to do that, particularly as this got quite a lot. I mean, this this in terms of the level of performance, this didn't really surprise me because this level of performance that we have here in the UK all the time. The most reliable carrier here in the UK is the Royal Mail. 
and they've just they've just been privatized so that's going to go downhill now yeah but ups fedex and and some of the there is there are a couple of um three or four smaller courier companies that that amazon use here in the uk people like uh, citylink and um, dhl and, and people like that they're awful they're absolutely awful and the reason they're awful is because they use cheap labor yeah, they have a very, very well optimized distribution network and warehouse network, but the, the weak, the weak link in the chain always is the actual delivery from the warehouse to the customer, because that's where they employ cheap drivers. They employ a lot of contract staff or short-term staff or zero-hours contracts where they can just call people in, and these guys just don't care. So don't is care the option the then to get better service is to pay these delivery drivers more? Uh, I, I think, I think from Amazon's point of view or for any big delivery companies, uh, for any big um, customer of these delivery companies point of view is to just um, make sure that whenever Amazon, whenever they swallow some customer dissatisfaction is to make sure that gets reflected back to the delivery company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the moment it doesn't. What happens with Amazon is uh, it, here in the UK at least is that if the package doesn't get delivered, they either give you a refund or they extend your Prime membership, and then they send you out another one. So they're taking the commercial pain. Yeah, but you don't know that what's going on on the back end. That they're you know for every number of instances or percentages, um, they're getting a kickback from the carrier or from the delivery company. That could be happening too. In fact, I'd be surprised if it isn't because. What's the incentive for the delivery companies to do a good job? Amazon's not stupid. They've got to have something yeah. like that in place. But the, but the point is is that these delivery companies consistently fail to deliver and have done for the last five years, ever since really Amazon got big over here. That you know you go look online, you'll see loads and loads of complaints where the, where it's all the same thing. They kind of they'll throw the package into the. I mean, we had it once. We had a we had a package from Amazon that was thrown into a bush in our front garden and left there. Yeah found it two weeks later you know they these guys all they care about is getting through their volume so you think that and i brought this up a couple weeks ago do you think then the solution would be amazon starts their own delivery service in a smaller area like the uk would be i think you guys would be a perfect test bed yeah um they start their i mean they've got enough money to to hire people to have warehouses they don't even technically need the warehouses uh, small jets to fly from one side of the island to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they could do it. I, I reckon so. Um, I mean, I, the United it, States would be a different matter entirely. But yeah. I, I, I think that's the only way it's going to get better. you you got to have somebody who takes pride in their company and their service. And I think you're right. I think the downfall is at the delivery stage. Yeah. I will say, though, and here's a prime example. When we had our store, our Mac Specialist store in Villa Park, we knew what time every day the deliveries were going to come. Uh, the, the UPS guy would come in the morning. Actually, it was a woman. And she was roughly between 9 and 10 a.m. Every time. And we'd get our packages, and they were always in good order. Uh, it was always what we ordered. Uh, sometimes if it wasn't there, it wasn't her fault. But... She was very diligent. The guy for FedEx would deliver and pick up the last run of the day. Uh, I always call him Lars because he looked just like Lars Ulrich from Metallica. (laughs) Um, He was actually an independent contractor. It was his route, and he had to give money back to FedEx for that route. 
but he had, uh, I'm going to say three drivers that worked for him, but he mm. liked us. So he kept that route for himself, that particular area, because he yeah. liked coming into our store and talking with us and bullshitting. But he was always professional. He was always there on time. Um, I can't, I can't think of any service that we got from either of those two people. And it was two different companies that were ever subpar. Now the flip side of that is in our store in Oak Park, Illinois, we have a UPS driver who's a complete clod. Uh, we had a service, one of our printers and we had to ship uh-huh. it. And when it came back, we saw the guy just chuck it off the back of his truck right into a snowbank. And so we refused that delivery. Yeah. And he does the stuff all the time. He just doesn't care. And there doesn't seem to be any checks and balances. We can call and complain, but he's still our driver. Yeah. So until these companies really crack down and hire quality people, it's not going to change. No, I, I agree with you. And My attitude would be that if you got three complaints about a driver, then they should be fired. Because that is their job. Delivering the parcels is their job. And so people complaining about how they're doing that, then they need to be fired. Well, it does need to be a case-by-case basis. Because as someone that used to work for the United States Postal Service back in the late 80s, early 90s, you're going to have some customers that complain about everything anyways. And so yeah. you've got to be real careful that you don't have, you know, Miss Schmuckity out there that just complains about everything costing you your job. Even though you did everything perfectly she's still going to find something to complain about. So you got to be careful about it. Maybe if you get too many complaints from too many different people, then you get assigned a different route. And if it happens there, then you lose your job. Mm-hmm. But you got to be careful. You, you can't just willy-nilly hire and fire people because yeah, of... Yeah, but if, but if, you, if you as the customer see him throw a box... Oh, that's different. That's, that's, yeah. a different. that's a different case. I'm talking about in general, though. you got to be worried. you got to be a little cautious about a three strikes and you're out rule. Because, like I said, there are some people who are just, they live to complain. They live to bitch about something. And that's thats thats what they do. Um, let's take our first break here, David. And uh, we'll be right back. Here we go! Curious about Nintendo? Well, check out the Nintendo Club podcast. This podcast is done twice a week. We dive into all things Nintendo. We dive into retro. We dive into current games, what we're playing, what cool Nintendo news is going on. Check it out here at the Spotlight Network, the Nintendo Club podcast. We broadcast this live out every Sunday evening starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. Check out the NintendoClubPodcast.com website for more information. Back here, tech fan number 144, Tim Robertson. That's me, David Cohen. Even That's though me. he doesn't sound it, he is sick today. He's a trooper. You're a trooper. I'm dosed up with lots of drugs. That's all. <laughs> I uh, I couldn't go to work at all this week, David. Well, it's because it was Christmas, surely. No, you had the week off. No, no, I wish it was. Uh, the Friday before, uh, last day of school for the kids before the Christmas holiday vacation, we went and picked up the kids, we being my wife and I, and we took my Honda Accord. That's the car that I drive to work. She's got uh, an SUV, a Ford uh, Explorer that uh-huh. has issues, especially with the transmission. I haven't had it looked at yet. But anyways, uh, my, Ford, my uh, Honda runs great. I love it. And it's got 
and I'm not I'm not exaggerating. It's got 191,000 miles on it, and it's a 2005. Those uh, those Japanese they know how to build a car. They do, and actually, this is actually built in Kentucky. But regardless, oh, was, but under <laughs> Japanese management, absolutely, it, it's a great car. I love it. Uh, I've I've liked it since I first bought it, and uh, it does worry me that it's got so many high miles on it. But uh, I'm gonna say two months ago, if that, I went and put all new struts on it and all new tires. It's mm-hmm. about thirteen hundred dollars, which is not a small amount of money. No, you know, and I haven't said that cheaper than buying a new car. It is, and it and it made a world of difference. Unbelievable. I didn't realize how badly it was getting, um, but it was getting really bad. So. It had to be done. You bite the bullet. You do it. So last Friday, my wife and I pick up the kids from the bus stop. And we, uh, we're we heading out. We're going somewhere. I'm at a red light. And I get slammed into from a car behind me. There was nothing I could do. And the funny thing is, I didn't even see her coming to mm-hmm. the last second. Because someone from the other direction I was watching was running the red light. Right. Clearly. I mean... It was red before they even get, came close to the intersection. The guy just went right through it. Mm-hmm. And at the last second, I looked in my rearview mirror, and I saw an older lady, not paying attention, didn't hit the brakes, ran right into us. And so I have to have my bumper fixed. And she got the ticket. I mean, you know, I've got full coverage insurance, so it's covered. But this is like the worst time of the year to get an accident like this because it takes... A couple weeks for them to get parts in because the parts companies are all closed down for the holidays yeah so next not this coming monday but the monday after i have to bring my car in and uh, i've got a guy that's got to do a little thing with my bumper to make it safe to drive back and forth to chicago he was supposed to do it thursday but he didn't and he's going to come later today and do it uh-huh. so i'll be able to get to work but <sighs> what what a pain in the butt yeah, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. You, you, how old was the car that hit you? Uh, I think she's driving a newer. It's probably uh, maybe a twenty eleven, something Chevy. Right, but don't you think in this day and age that that sort of accident should be preventable by the car? Sure, and they are with some cars, but the cost uh, is I'm still pretty, prohibitive. I'm, yeah, well, well, yeah. I mean, we've got a, we've got a Volvo. That, that would replace the car we crashed last year coming up for the year anniversary of that on the 30th looking forward to that um uh, and that has a uh, a low speed um collision avoidance system so uh, and i've actually seen it work that was two years so, ago uh, right no la- no it was a year ago was it the, a year uh, ago the accident yeah i just i was scrolling through my text pictures and i came across your panda outfit <laughs> that's what i call it when you had that body cast thing on yeah 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 um uh, and yeah that has a system on it that that does that and i've actually been in the car when it works we we were driving on one day in this um in a in a, a like multi-story car park and there was a barrier that came down and it triggered it and the car just stopped the car saw the barrier was in front of the car and we were going about 10 12 miles an hour and it just automatically put the brakes on and stopped um and you kind of and that now that's a base well, that's not a special like high-end Volvo. It's the regular, you know, the entry-level model of that one, and it's kind of like it's a five-dollar hatchback. It's kind of 
come the size of a Focus or, a, you know, a Honda Civic or something like that. Um, it's not an expensive car. And, uh, you know, I, I think all cars should have systems like that on it. I totally agree. You know? And, uh, yeah, everybody was okay. My wife had a headache, and I had a, uh, kind of a stiff neck for about three days and a headache. But, uh, you know, it could have been a lot worse. Well, it could have been, and, and that's kind of the thing, though, isn't it? Is that those soft tissue injuries you get from that sort of accident can be a lot more um, debilitating than maybe, you know, those kind of bigger things I had last year. Absolutely. Because, you know, because they can, they can last for a long time. So let's get back to some of the stuff that I found um, online that I thought was worth talking about, David. And the next sure. one, Game of Thrones. Have you ever watched that series at all? I have resisted it. Yeah. Because I don't think I have the time to get into it. And it's not really the sort of thing that particularly appeals to me, mm-hmm. to be honest. So, uh, so no, I've avoided it. Well, but I know it's popular. Game of Thrones illegal downloads exceeded TV viewers for the second year in a row. Which means, in other words, this is an HBO production. Uh-huh. The only way that you can get HBO is you're an HBO subscriber. And more people are watching that actually have HBO. So how is that possible? Well, they're downloading it illegally off BitTorrent sites. Now, f- famously, last year, um, season two, I believe, when the producers were told of this, They took it as a compliment. They thought it was great. I'm sure HBO doesn't share his exuberance. (laughs) Well, you know what? To me, this says that HBO are really missing a trick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because if it was, uh, if it was, if it was available to buy digitally, it was. It was. It's in iTunes. Yeah, it was in iTunes. But you know what? Clearly, the people buying it on Bit, uh, downloading it on BitTorrent, don't want to buy it through iTunes. Right. It, it was well, available is, at a cheaper price. I suspect it's a dollar ninety nine an episode, dude. I mean, it's two bucks an episode. How how much cheaper are they supposed to go to avoid the illegal downloads? See, that's I, that's the that's the catch. I mean, but the. the point i'm sort of trying to come to is that going and, and downloading video via BitTorrent is a it, it's not a simple process it's not very difficult either well you yeah, have but to it, work at it to get it but i mean you have to work if you, if you factor in figuring out how, first of all you know figuring out how to get the torrents which is a is it can be a bit of a problem here in the uk a lot of the torrent sites are blocked so you've got to overcome that then figuring out how to download torrents, which is not a well-documented process. You know, if you could go to Google, how do I download torrents and put that in, you'll get a whole load of, you know, nerdy speak that the average person isn't going to understand. Well, I don't know. So I think then the, you- the counter to your argument, though, David, is it's it's being downloaded more times than people are paid subscribers. And you have to... Well, so what are the actual numbers, though? They don't give that. Ah, well, see, that's interesting then, isn't it? Because well, if there's only two... There's, there's, they have there's at only... least 5 million subscribers. Right, 5 million is not really a huge amount of people. It is if the pirated copies are being downloaded more often than well, viewers. more, but, but do they actually give the numbers? They say more. Do they actually give the, uh, the scale? No, but double? they said it exceeded it... TV viewers. So even if it was a million in one person, 
or one person more than five million. That's still so five in, million in one person. In that, without the actual, without the actual numbers behind these metrics, it's it's difficult to really draw strong conclusions. Right. Um, and I would also argue you know. that I bet a lot of the people who downloaded illegally actually have HBO. Yeah, they probably want to watch it again, or right, they and they didn't to- want to stream it from the HBO Go app. Yeah, they just wanted it for their collection, and they figure, well, I subscribe to HBO, so I should legally be allowed to download this. I've already paid for it. I'm a subscriber. Now you can get into the legality of that, whether that's you know true or not, and it's not. It's not. A, it's not legal, but still, I'm sure some people would make that argument. But I still but think I- that this kind of if that many people are downloading something illegally, there's still a big problem out there for the entertainment industry. And like you were alluding to when I first mentioned this, there's an opportunity here. Instead of looking at it as just a negative, there's an opportunity for them to do something here. Yeah. I agree. I I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at, I typed while we were talking about this, I typed um, into Google Game of Thrones UK because I thought that's what we're talking about. I'm thinking I have no idea where I will watch Game of Thrones here legally. Um, Now it's on Sky, which is a satellite service that you have to pay for, so that's kind of the equivalent of HBO. Yep. Uh, And then there's an HBO UK site here, which I've never heard of, that basically lists all of their shows and then points you towards iTunes and places like that for um, for for getting it as well. those are the only two outlets for it. To me, that's not good enough. You know, it's just not good enough. You can basically you can download it for Android using Blinkbox, or you can download it for iOS using iTunes, um, and that's or you can watch it online on you can watch it on TV on Sky. To me, that's just it's just not. You know, there, there should be other places to get it where you can pay for it and you can get it easily i agree um but i also think that there's an opportunity here instead of them trying to make a buck every five seconds maybe they could look at i don't know some kind of a different business model where they do release these for free to watch and they have commercials in them yeah i mean advertisers would then pay you you being hbo and you're going to not necessarily give it away for free because you're getting ad dollars for it. Now you don't want the ads. Be an HBO subscriber. Mm. And but I do think, on top of all of that, going back to our earlier point, there are the, you know the, look. I'm just looking at, at some stories here. The um, final episode of season three was downloaded by apparently was pirated by one million people. Yeah. Um, when it came out in June. So the actual volumes of people we're talking about here are are tiny, um, you know, compared to compared to typical, uh, you know, typical viewing figures for other shows. No, no, that's networks. where you're wrong. That's where you're wrong. Viewing is way down for the networks. It used to be. I'll give you an example. Um, it used to be if you got a an eight share of them of the viewers your show yep. would be canceled because that's not enough. Now an eight share is the number one hit on television right now. So, so what number, does that mean an eight share? 
uh, eight share of all people watching in certain markets. So it, right. an eight share could be um, three million people. Mm-hmm. Um, now it would be an eight share would still be that three million people. But because there's so many more things to watch and so many more things to do, video games, on the computer, Netflix, all those things, an eight share is a huge, massive hit. Uh, an average show nowadays is is a one or a two show uh, share, and they're still on the air. Whereas it, um, you get a one or two share 10 years ago, and you're done. So those metrics are... And the number of viewers are just not there anymore. The the Uh, pie has been cut into so many smaller bits that 1 million people downloading that show is a significant number to HBO. It really is. That's a significant number. uh, And, of course, you know, the the way that HBO will probably try and deal with that is just, you know, via the uh, MPAAs. No, I don't think they are. I, I, I think a lot of these companies now... Um, aren't actively pursuing anybody. Uh, I think the MPAA on their own is, and they're saying they're working with, you know, the HBOs and the ABCs and the Foxes and all those, BBC, but I don't think they actually are. I don't think they care anymore. They just want their stuff to be seen. They don't care how you see it. And if you see it enough and you like it, well, then maybe you'll start DVRing it or maybe you'll buy the box set. DVDs or the Blu-rays or downloading it legally from iTunes because you'll become a fan. I think that's happening a lot. And I give you, here's a prime example of that, David, Uh, because obviously I wasn't able to go to work this last week. I spent a lot of time at home. Excuse me. I I watched a lot on Netflix. Uh Specifically, I watched one show on Netflix. I watched the entire season, the first season of Arrow. All right. Um, it's uh, based off the Green Arrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I saw a few episodes of yeah. it. I didn't, didn't I was, stick with it. No, I, I could see why, but I, it kind of caught my fancy. I mm-hmm. put it in my queue two months ago and kind of forgot about it. Sitting in front of my computer, pull up Netflix, going to watch something. Oh, I've got this first season of Arrow sitting here. I know that they're on season two now. Um. And I also know that the Flash, Barry Allen, had made kind of this guest appearance. That mm-hmm. he's going to get his start. It's going to be a spinoff of Arrow. That made all the news. I saw it on all the geeky things that I frequent on the internet. So all that got my interest in up enough that I don't want to jump into it right now raw. Yeah, it's here on Netflix. I watched the pilot. I watched the pilot. I enjoyed it. I watched the second. Then the third. I watched all of them. Now, season two is still on the air, but only nine episodes have aired. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. They're all on iTunes. Guess what I bought? All of them. I bought all of them, season two, and I set my DVR up to record any new episodes. So I only need to buy nine episodes on iTunes, and the rest will come on my DVR Mm -hmm. starting in January. So they got my money. Now, Netflix is a paid service, so I have to pay for that. So technically, I did pay for season one. But it's that kind of a model that, to me, makes sense. That's what saved Breaking Bad. Everyone talks about Breaking Bad being one of the greatest shows ever on television. It wasn't when it first... The first two years didn't do well on television at all. 
But Netflix, it was huge on Netflix. And that's what got people migrating back to the TV to start watching it there. Or buying it on iTunes. So I think HBO, when they see that a million people downloaded the season finale, I think long-term, that's good for HBO. And it's a good thing. Because it's going to draw more people to the legal avenues to watch these. Now, I mean, some people don't get don't get me wrong, David. Are still they're going to go out of their way to get the free and not pay a dime. That's just going yeah. to happen, no matter what they do. They can start executing people for downloading TV shows, and it's it's not going to stop it. <laughs> yeah, it probably you know I'm sure some people will be like, screw that, I ain't doing that anymore. But it's not going to go away, no matter what you do. So, anyways. Um, did you get the link that I just sent you in Skype? Yeah, I I, I was going to mention that actually because I saw it this morning. Yeah, and, uh, this is something that I saw on Ars Technica. I saw it on uh, The Verge, uh, a couple other sites too. Uh, archive.org, they're a website that kind of, their mandate to begin with was to capture websites um, and archive them. So you can go back and see what these websites look like back in the day. Uh, they've got some very old MyMac, for instance, uh, captures going way back, I think, to 96 or 97. Uh, or, uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I forget how old the oldest one of the MyMac one is. But it, as someone who owns a website, I found it kind of neat to be able to go back and look at, see what it looked like back in the day. Because Lord knows I didn't keep all that crap. Huh. But this is different, David. You want to explain what this is? Yeah, this is... Um what they've started doing is is archiving software, and um, they've I I I wasn't aware of this until I saw this story. But they've been archiving classic PC games and uh, you know particularly historical bits of software, about, almost like an, an abandonware site. But what they what they uh, recently launched is this um, console living room, which effectively has a series of ancient uh, early 80s consoles and all the software they had for them um, available in a Java browser emulator. So you can play um, games on the 2600, the Atari 7800, uh, the ColecoVision, which you mentioned in your solo segment last week, uh, the Magnavox Odyssey 2, which I was pleased to see because I, I had a friend who had one of those back in the day. Uh, and I went and had a look and, and remembered some of the games that he had on there. And the Astrocade, which is some kind of brown boxy thing I've never seen before. I don't remember that. <laughs> But but so basically, if you're playing on a if you if you're viewing this website on a on a computer, then um, you can go and look at all this all these bits of software, and then and then fire up an emulator in your browser and actually play the games, which is is really kind of cool. Right, and not to scare people away, when he says firing up an emulator, there's a link right there on that page. You just click it, and it plays right in your browser. Yeah, it's right in the browser. Yeah, so and uh, I'll have a link to uh, directly to this at Tech Fan Podcast. Dot com. Look under show notes 144. I'm going to have a link right to it. Uh, I tried it, David. Now, in my new version of Safari, mm-hmm. I, I, it wouldn't let me play any games. I don't know why. It just sat there like it was loading and loading and loading. Um, Chrome, no problem at all. I actually played Burger Time on the ColecoVision. Uh, I died twice, and then my uh, arrow keys stopped moving the character. <laughs> yeah. so I was like, ah, okay, whatever. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a little iffy, but it worked. 
But this also, is this fair use? That's what they're claiming. I, the, the news articles that I read, because a lot of the stuff that they're, they've got up there are still under copyright. Those companies are, are still around. Um, how do they get away with putting these free video games up there? Well, that, I mean, that the difference between some of the abandonware sites and uh, the Internet Archive is the, the Internet Archive has a kind of an academic standing as a, almost as a museum. So you could, you know, just in the same way that you, you can often go to uh, a museum, you know, a science museum, and you'll often see old computers running old bits of software uh, and get to play them. I suspect they're saying this is kind of the same sort of thing. This is more like a, a museum than a, a website that's trying to profit out of the copyright, uh, you know, breaking the copyright on some of these things. Um, I, I would imagine they've, they've consulted lawyers before they've done this. <laughs> So, um, I think, it's, I think it's very cool. Well, the, to me, from my point of view, copyright is copyright, and, and yes, copyright is important, and respecting people's copyright is fine. And if, if a copyright holder, um, actually doesn't want their their copyrighted material to appear in this way, then I would imagine if they contact the Internet Archive, they will take it offline. Um, the, the, but for me, software is something that should be used. You know, it it's not much good having software that you're not if you're not exploiting it, if you're not um, selling it to 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 sort of protect the copyright by just trying to eliminate any copies that people haven't paid for. And to me, it's kind of dumb. I agree. You know, and that, I think that-, that is your. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of like writing a book and publishing it. And then after you've published it, saying, well, we're not going to print any more copies, and um, therefore we don't want anybody else to read it again. Right. I <laughs> totally agree with you. Yeah. I, I think that if it's software, and I'm only talking about software. Now, software can range from video games to Microsoft Word 6.0, okay? Yeah. Um, or Netscape Navigator for that instance, for that Um if it's not actively being sold, I don't see a problem with someone giving it away. Or an organization like archive.org making it available as a historical thing. I, and I think that it's a good thing because too often in this digital age, we forget our roots. We forget about what came before, what led to this. And that if it's old, it's no longer useful and it's no longer good. And that's unfortunate. So yeah. I, I, I really appreciate what they do at archive.org. And uh, I encourage everyone to go to our website, click the link and check it out because it's pretty cool. It, it really is. Last thing, David, before we wrap up this episode of Tech Van. I, uh, I've got a uh, Nexus 7 here that I use. All right. And I've... Uh, I tried a couple weeks ago to go a couple days without using an iPad at all, just using either the Nexus 7 or my first-generation Kindle Fire. The Nexus, by the way, just crushes the Kindle Fire. Yeah, I, in fact, I, I saw a, um, a side-by-side review on a TV show the other night I was watching with my son, um, and that was pretty much what they said as well. Yeah, it's not even close. <laughs> um, that being said... 
I finally got the over the air update. There was no way to manually go get it without jumping through a thousand hoops that I wasn't going to do that. But I knew that Google was rolling out slowly, unfortunately, uh, Android 4.4 KitKat to mm-hmm. the original Nexus 7 users. And I finally got mine. I updated and it went very smoothly, to be honest. It took probably about an hour. But once that hour was over, it restarted, and I'm running KitKat now on my Nexus 7. And uh, it's it's a... How, how do I, I guess I could say that it's it's cleaner. Now, this is a true Google experience. There's not a bunch of crapware on this device at all. Yeah. Now, the only other non-Google stuff on there is stuff that I put on there. And all the third-party software runs great. No problems at all. There was a few updates to a few apps, and there's a couple that really need to be updated, I could tell, but they still ran fine. Uh-huh. But so far, KitKat, it, it's, it cleans up the interface greatly. It really does. It, it makes it, unfortunately, I have to use this term, makes it more iPad-like. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's one thing that it still doesn't do which just boggles my mind the first ipad did this i can't i i don't understand why kitkat android 4.4 still doesn't support this and that's um the home screen if you're holding your tablet in horizontal view it Mm -hmm. it doesn't go in horizontal view at the home screen it's still vertical but so it doesn't it doesn't pick up you've turned the tablet around no, it knows that you turn the tablet around. They just haven't optimized the UI, the home screen, for that viewing angle. That's kind of odd. That I, I, I can't. I don't know why it does that. Now I know that some of the third-party companies have added that support in, but the pure Google Android does not support it. They also don't support multitasking apps. You can't have two apps running at the same time, i.e. you can't watch a video on the bottom of your screen and sending an email or a text or checking Twitter on the top of the screen. You can't do that. Now, there are some third parties that do that, and I know Samsung has done that themselves, but the stock Android does not do that. Now, granted, neither does the iOS, and I think iOS really does need to have that, but it doesn't do it on the stock Android. Yeah, it's um, it's one of the things that's actually good on the Windows 8 devices is yeah. that you can you can snap two apps one to either side and then see them side by side. I, I think that's and once, cool. Once you kind of get used to that, you do kind of miss it on the iPad. Yeah. Um, but so far so good. I I, I kind of like KitKat to be honest. So so how did you get along with not using the iPad at all? Did you find you went back to it or oh was yeah it okay. No, I went back to it. Um, you know what it felt like after using the iPad for as long as I have and then trying to switch to Android and just playing with that for two days? It's kind of like being a runner. And as a runner, I'm used to running on nice, smooth, flat surfaces with nice shoes on uh, and a breeze to my back. Mm-hmm. After two days of Android, I felt like I was running uphill in the mud with a snowstorm blowing directly in my face. Yeah. It just felt like things kept getting in the way and it just 
the way I was expecting things to happen, they didn't happen that way. And I spent way too much time looking to figure out something rather than it just working. Yeah, I've kind of felt the same way when I got my iPad Air after um, having, you know, I'd sold my my uh, iPad Mini, and then I was, so I, I had about six weeks when I was just using a Windows 8 tablet, and and going back to the iPad Air, it was like, you know, like a breath of fresh air again. You know, it was no pun so much easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I knew you were going to um, use that term too. Yeah, it really, what really was, um, it was like, oh, thank goodness, I'm back here again. Right, that's exactly how I felt about the the Nexus Seven, and then going back to it. Just it feels better. It feels yeah. like there's more thought by people who actually use devices rather than a bunch of engineers getting together, looking at screenshots of something else and figuring out how to make their own version. That's what Android really does feel like to me. Yeah, that they're trying to make it more iOS like, but missing the forest for the trees. So that's kind of my my overall impression of Android to date. And I've got a couple of Android phones. I've got a Kindle Fire. I've got a Nexus 7. No one can accuse me of, oh, you're just, hell, I've even got an HP touchpad still. Yeah. So you can't, you can't say that I'm an Apple fanboy only. I'm not. I like technology. I like gadgets. But it's, it's not there yet. 4.4 KitKat goes a, a long way to making it more iOS-like. But there's that term like, and I think that's still a problem. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm tired of hearing people talking about how open Android is. It's not, uh, Android or Google is no longer allowing OEMs to use, uh, Chrome. They have to bring their own browser or they have to pay a licensing fee to use Chrome. So, so much for open. Yeah. But, <laughs> for the win, yeah. but here's the thing. I kind of want and, uh, Google to make Android less open and more iOS-like in that they control what's going on with the operating system because the fragmentation is a big problem. It's all over the board. I don't think it's long-term going to help Android. I think it's going to hurt it. I think Google needs to take more control of it as Microsoft did with Windows 8.1 and what Apple has done with iOS 7. I think that needs to happen. And Android, if it's ever going to be more of a cohesive OS, that's it. Google just needs to take it back. You know, if that means that companies like Samsung or HTC, there's less to um, this difference between them, well, so, so be it. Or they have to roll their own OS for the devices, great. Do that then, and let's see how successful you really are. Yeah. Um, Amazon, then they're going to have to build their own operating system for their Kindles. Uh, they're the only ones that I don't worry about at all. I think they'll. I think Android is actually a hindrance to what Amazon is doing. They should roll their own OS at this point. But that's just me. That's my opinion. And I could be wrong, but I'm probably not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so with that, we're going to wrap up uh, TechFan 144. David, it was really fun to do a, an episode with you again, man. Yeah, well, that's that's right. I really want to try and do it. So I dose myself up and well, I'm, do it. Well, I'm glad you did. I hope you feel better soon. Um, 
I'm, I was sorry yeah. to hear about your diabetes on the last episode. Obviously, I wrote yeah. the show notes and stuff. I didn't really listen to your episode before I went out live. I kind of scrubbed through it, so I heard you talking about diabetes for just a second, so I put diabetes in the show notes. But then I listened to it later, and uh, that's not good, man. Did, have they well, figured out yet why your, your diabetes has gone through the roof? Uh, no, they haven't, but I think it's a combination of stress and travel and all of those things is yeah. probably what's what's upset it. So we'll see if we can get a handle on it. Since well, yeah, I put new tablets, I am I have been feeling better in that regard. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, uh, there's I just read some news today, David, that they're talking about uh, insulin pills now. That they've looks like they finally cracked whatever they needed to crack to get insulin into the blood through a pill form rather than a shot. That's always been the the, the problem that it's so diluted taking it through the stomach that it, it wasn't effective yeah. or they had to put such high concentrations of whatever it was that your liver would absorb way too much and that's not healthy so that's why they always stuck with the shots well there's a new pill coming that's going to alleviate those problems and it's going to revolutionize the way people will treat their diabetes it'll just be a pill in the morning rather than shots and checking your blood level or your sugar level and all that that'd be good yeah i thought yep. about you when i read that yeah, I'm not on the insulin yet, but I'm sure it's only a matter of time. Yeah, well, I, I hope not, but regardless, I wish you the best, man. Thank you very much. If you guys want to get a hold of us, go to techfanpodcast.com. You can leave a uh, comment right there on the show page. If you want to send us an email, uh, David's email address is... Uh, what is it? I don't know. <laughs> David Cohen at techfan.com. No, it's just David no. at techfanpodcast.com. Uh, I am Tim at techfanpodcast.com. Uh, so find us there. You can always hit me up on Twitter at MyMac. Uh, the funny thing is my Twitter handle, I get a lot of the the Twitter stuff for the MyMac guys. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's the MyMac podcast, so people do that, you know, at MyMac replies to what they're talking about on their show, even though that's technically my personal one, but it's not because I also, it's confusing. Uh, maybe one day we'll actually create our own show-specific tech fan podcast. Actually, David, you should go ahead and create that now because I just said that on the show. Someone else is going to go grab it, so you should probably. Okay, right. I'll do that <laughs> straight away. Straight away. Uh, we'll be back next week, I hope. And uh, we'll. Gosh, David. Uh, to be honest, I'm not going to talk to you until next year. No. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> be well, my friend. All right, and you. Bye.